on the block on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer. Yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin! Stone! Cold! Nobody in Vegas told him they were going to win my 20! The Bills make me want to Taylor going to take his shot. Throwing in zone. He's got weapons. Touchdown! They didn't look in the group. They didn't look in the fire. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. This is On the Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1. It's on the FM dial of your radio, folks. You can listen online. They do have the internet on computers now, ESPNSyracuse.com. We're on in the Mohawk Valley. Hello, Utica. What's happening? Rome, Whitesboro, New Hartford, everybody in between. Great to have you on board today. And there's another way you can listen to the program. You can listen via the ESPN app. This is a great thing. You put the app on your phone. There's a listen tab on the ESPN app. You punch in Syracuse. You find us. It's so simple. Two taps and go. So wherever you go, we go with you. Another beautiful fall day. If you're here in central New York or wherever you are listening today, you can keep tabs with what's happening here on ESPN Radio Syracuse via the app. 437-7644, that's the phone number to get on board. You can hit us on Twitter, Brent Axe Media. You can also use the on-the-block text line at 288-0644. So much to get into today. We're kind of guest-free today. What I mean by that is we're not going to have a guest in the traditional sense of someone on the phone or in studio, and I will converse with them. But you're going to hear plenty of voices today, namely Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, Jim Beheim, and others from ACC Media Day. So at a media day, it's just, you know, put on a platter for you. Here's a bunch of people talking at podiums and giving you sound bites. I mean, people in my line of work just can't resist this kind of thing. So we will play you some of the highlights from ACC Media Day. As you can imagine, not only discussion about the upcoming season, but about the FBI investigation, Louisville, notable absence at ACC Media Day, one Richard Patino and Tom Jurich, as we know that uh, ongoing situation there. So Jim Beheim had thoughts on that, and more was also, you know, when you go to Media Day, you hop on Sports Center, and you know, you kind of go through that car wash, right? So we'll have plenty of highlights as we get closer to the start of Syracuse basketball season on what they had to say. A number of topics, so no guests in the traditional sense, but plenty of other voices today, if that makes sense to you. Uh, I brought this up on yesterday's show. I will discuss it here in a moment. And I wrote a column about this on Syracuse.com today. So I hope that you uh, read that. If not, I'll send out the link here and you can read that. But I will get into this a little bit more about why I disagree with Jim Beheim on now paying players, like I said yesterday, you bring that up and it just opens up a whole lot of narratives and people start going into their corners and going to pre-selected thoughts about paying college athletes. It's such a broad topic that if you try and condense it down a little bit, be specific about things, 
it kind of gets lost in the noise. But I made an attempt anyway to make the case that in a town like this, with the passion that we have, and this is just one of many passionate college towns, paying college athletes while they're in college or in some way, shape, or form compensating them for their likeness, for the use of their image, is something we can do. The fact that it gets brushed aside as if it's some impossible task, like going to Mars, which is an impossible task, it's just really freaking hard, right? Just baffles me. So I wrote a column about it today, tried to figure out a way we could figure this out, so I will discuss that a little bit more today. Speaking of money, the pay Dino movement is out there, right, for Syracuse football fans that want to see John Wildhack and all the big wigs at Syracuse lock down Dino as we sit here in the bye week and get ready for an off weekend of Syracuse football, and then they get at it against Florida State again next week. Well, if you're part of the Paydino movement, you have to know what you're up against. USA Today put out its annual database of what coaches are getting paid. In this case, it's football. And, uh, whoa, <laughs> even by today's standards, some of the buyouts and some of the salaries and some of the money that's floating around out there, when we say and I say Paydino, we got to know what we're up against here. And, whoa, booby. Whew! Swimming in some deep seas here. So we'll take a look at the latest USA Today database. By the way, it did not know how much Dino Babers makes. We're, we're in a ballpark, but we're not quite sure. Syracuse is a private school, so they don't tell you these things until they absolutely have to tell you that when certain doc, uh, tax documents come out. So we'll get into that. Hot takes as usual and more. But as I uh, discussed a bit on the show yesterday, but took it a step further today in this column that I wrote on Syracuse.com, and what it was, listen, this has become like the standard go-to sports topic out there. It used to be, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame or these evergreen topics that you can just always kind of talk about. And then there's examples that come for whatever reasons, and the latest being, okay, so the Louisville thing happens, the FBI investigation, $100,000 deals allegedly are being done in these back rooms. So inevitably people circled around to the thought of, well, if college athletes were getting compensated in some way, nobody's naive to believe it would stop this, but would it kind of slow the tide of it? Would it give them less reason to have to do these things? So Jim Beheim was asked about that on Friday at the basketball media day. Today was ACC media day. And he brought up a certain quote about that that I just didn't agree with. And it was a new angle on this, which is why I wanted to bring it up instead of beating that same old dead horse when it comes to paying athletes. And the concept was, and I want to read you the exact quote, quote, any kid that would get an endorsement will get his money when he goes to the NBA. The other kids that aren't going to end up in the NBA probably aren't going to get endorsements in college anyway. And I just don't agree with that particularly having the experience of being here as long as I have, both as a member of the media and having lived here my entire life, and seeing how even the Syracuse basketball players that we know will not go on to the NBA are treated like rock stars here. And to an extent, the football players too, and lacrosse players, certain student athletes. And to insinuate that those guys couldn't make some sort of endorsement money or couldn't make money doing commercials or you know, 
thinking creatively here, ways that athletes could be paid for the use of their likeness was just absurd to me because I have seen way too many players treated like that that had they been given the opportunity if these archaic NCAA rules and in some cases school rules did not exist. And remember, whenever we talk about the big bad NCAA, it's the schools we're talking about, right? We cannot forget that. The NCAA is this convenient punching bag that people look at and say, look what they did. And the latest thing is with North Carolina, right? Well, the NCAA is the schools. Never forget that. All right? So it's easy to point at them and say, oh, look what they're doing. But, you know, they are an organization, and they have a brick-and-mortar building in Indianapolis, and they have this basketball tournament every year that brings in billions of dollars. So there is something tangible to point to there. But it's the schools. But the thought that we cannot compensate college athletes because, well, they're on scholarship, and all these narratives, I just listen to that, and it's like, they got you, man. They got you hook, line, and sinker. They have got you out there as if you were a spokesman for these schools. That's good enough. They get school and books and tuition and scholarship, and my kid has to pay to go to Syracuse, and they're athletes. And it's like, okay, you make some good points there, but don't forget that scholarship athletes get limited by a lot of things. Their time is not as much as the regular student. And what the NCAA says they can and can't do, and the fact that the coaches at these schools can make the endorsements that they do and the players get shut out has always been unfair, but now we're in an era where people are more educated about these things. They can look at ways to do it, and they can question why. And the NCAA has never been less credible, so we can look at that big, bad NCAA and say, well, your rules are archaic and ridiculous and need to be reversed. And the best, you know, best case scenario I came up with, and if there's somebody better than this, I, I certainly welcome the suggestion. But the best example I came up with was, you're telling me. So let's take a player by that example. Someone, as Jim Beheim said, other kids aren't going to end up in the NBA, probably aren't going to get endorsements in college anyway. Now, to be fair, again, Jim Beheim did use the word probably there. There are exceptions to all rules. But you're telling me Jerry McNamara back in the day, six three-pointers to help Syracuse beat Kansas in the national championship game. All the buzzer beaters, all the buses coming from Scranton to watch this kid play single-handedly, wins the 2006 Big East Tournament. So many other moments that I'm not mentioning here. You're telling me that kid, while he's in college then, wouldn't get, just think of the possibilities. Let's just think right here, where I'm speaking to you. This radio station, Galaxy Communications as a company, pays coaches to come on with us, to do their own radio shows. You're telling me that back in the day, if given the opportunity, we wouldn't want to pay Jerry McNamara to come on with us once a week and be exclusive to, let's say, this radio show, for an example, or a radio show? I mean, you can always go in the locker room and talk to these guys, right? You can get the sound, you can discuss them, but that... Someone wouldn't want access like that, that a car company, think of all the big car dealers around here that I will not give free advertising to, some of which advertise with us here at Galaxy, wouldn't put him in a car commercial, or just think of the possibilities here. I, I made the example in my story that you could be driving home on 690, looking at pictures of Jerry McNamara on a billboard while listening to Jerry McNamara do a radio commercial for you. Now, again, to be fair, it comes full circle. 
Jerry's back here. He's an assistant coach. He's got plenty of commercials and endorsements and is able to profit off his likeness, which is great. He should be able to do that, given the status of the athlete he was here and is now as an assistant coach. That's the kind of town we live in. But it isn't even a guy like Jerry McNamara, even just somebody on the roster. This town is so passionate about Syracuse basketball, and I don't want to exclude football from this conversation because certainly they're on the uptick, but when you think of commercially Syracuse football these days, it's all Dino Babers. Dino does all the commercials. He's the spokesman. He's the only coach that talks to the media, and and that's fine. He represents the program. So you get all the praise when things go right. You get all the blame when they don't. They happen to be on an upswing now where it's all Dino all the time, and it's well-deserved, right? Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. And, you know, now I'm going to get into examples, and we can argue names all day, but you're telling me a guy like Scoop Jardine couldn't do a few commercials back in the day, couldn't make an appearance somewhere and get an autograph fee to go sign an autograph somewhere for an hour or on your own time when it didn't conflict with practice or class. And see, now people start throwing things at me, and, and I don't have all the answers, but I think we're smart enough to figure that out. Well, what if a booster wants to pay somebody way too much money to just go sit at a car dealership and sign autographs for an hour? Well, I'm not against regulating that. Well, what if Tyus Battle gets more money than this guy? I'm not against everybody gets the same appearance fee. You want a player, they show up, they do X, Y, and Z. Everybody gets the same amount. So now you got to make a choice. Well, that means that the star player will get more appearances the 13th player on the bench, to which I say, too bad. To which I say, that's what the market bears. I think of this example every time I bring this up. You know, I go, I didn't go this year, but I, I tend to go to Fenway Park at least once a year and go see the Red Sox. And there's this giant store right across the street from Fenway, and, and most major league parks have something equivalent to this, but this one really burns in my mind. So there's a, a store right across the street from Fenway, and there's just an entire wall covered with every player's Jersey and or, you know, those Jersey T-shirts you can buy that has the, you know, the Red Sox and the number on the front. And on the back, it would be, you know, Andrew Benatendi or Dustin Pedroia or whatever the case may be, right? Every player is on that wall. Now, of course, Pedroia and Benatendi and the star players are going to sell the most. But there are some people that walk in and say, I don't want the star guy. I want the relief pitcher. I want the eighth guy in the lineup, lineup. Or I want Sandy Leone. Love that guy, right? They have that choice to do that. Why can I not go to, and again, I don't want to give people free advertising here, but go to a local merchant who happens to be on Marshall Street and is well-known and go to that wall and say, I want to pick who I want. And through agreements, through licensing, through whatever you would have to do to regulate this, that player gets something out of that. Think of how many Jerry McNamara shirts would have sold in this town at that time. And by the way, they did anyway. People made them. You can conveniently go places where, hey, there's a number three Syracuse basketball jersey on sale. How about that? So it happens anyway. You're clearly profiting off the likeness and image of a player, and they don't see a dime of it. This is what I'm talking about. This is what's possible. You probably can't give them a cut of the TV money or the ticket money because you cannot calculate that, but you can calculate jersey sales and percentages, you can certainly calculate, I'm local business, I would like X player to appear at my business 
to do X, Y, and Z, and here's an appearance fee to do it. I am a radio station in Syracuse, New York. I would like this player to appear on my radio station once a week, and here's what we'll pay him to do it. Because we do it with the coaches. This is not hard to figure out. And the fact that people in certain positions will brush you off as if I'm suggesting let's go fly to Jupiter, well, I don't know. Maybe they're threatened that they would get less money because of that. Maybe they don't feel the market share is that. They want to be the face of, of the program, which is fine if that's the case and they're used to a certain way. But don't tell me it's not possible. Don't tell me that's not the solution because what we have tried to this point has not worked. And the current system has FBI investigations and backroom deals and players that are finding ways to get paid anyway. It is simple economics, and it is why Ed O'Bannon fought so hard. You are profiting off my likeness. I deserve to be compensated for that. And I just don't see why it can't happen here. Do I have all the details on this? Could you blow up some of my theories? I bet you you could. I bet you you could. But I think I've got a pretty good counterargument to a lot of the two. Like, I'll just give you an example. And, you know, Twitter's Twitter. But, you know, people make good points on Twitter, too. I, uh, no, it happens. Trust me. Once in a while. Uh, let me pull it up here before we take a break here. Because I want to give proper credit. Let me do this. Let me take a break, and I'll pull up some messages and uh, 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, as we're about to hit. And uh, the text line open at 288-0644 as well. So let's do that. Let's go through some scenarios. Let's look at, okay, well, what about this? Because there's plenty of whatabouts and scenarios that we've got to square away. It's not perfect. This is messy. This is complicated. But it can be done. Don't tell me it can't be done because it can and there's limitations in NCAA rules, and there's Title IX, and, okay, well, there's got to be a way to figure it out. There just has to be. So we'll discuss that more next. We'll take a look at that USA Today database. Pay Dino! Pay Dino! Oh, oh boy. Wait till you see what some other schools are paying some coaches and what Syracuse, uh, you really want to jump in that pool. Well, well, we'll tell you how deep it is. All that and more. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. <laughs> This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Dig this, baby. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Great to have you here. Don't forget that you can get this show anytime you want. Not only here four to six live weekdays, but we put a podcast version of On the Block on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse and iTunes, hit that subscribe button, you'll get the best of this show, plus the Daniel Baldwin Show in the booth with Matt Park, Orange Nation, all sent to your phone or computer so you can listen on your time anytime. So do that and catch up, and uh, we've got those up at ESPNSyracuse.com as well, but if you're an iTunes, Apple Podcast guy, just hit that subscribe button and off you go. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's hot take some stuff here. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Well, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. Dwight Freeney back in the National Football League. 
37 years old, has 122 and a half career sacks, third amongst active players, seven-time Pro Bowler, 2005 AFC Defensive Player of the Year, first 11 seasons with the Colts, spent some time with the Chargers, the Cardinals, and of course the Atlanta Falcons, now in Seattle. Dwight Franey, who, you know, I will maintain, should have been in the room at the Heisman ceremony in 2001 because he set an NCAA record for sacks, was that dominant, a defensive player, was as responsible for Syracuse's 10 wins as any defensive player could be for a number of wins on, on a lot of teams. That trend did uptick a little bit, you know, and Dominican Sue and some other defensive players at least got in the room, got recognition for this award that's supposed to go to the best college football player in the United States. It should be amended to the best quarterback or running back in the United States, which is where it always ends up. Anyway, Franey's still kicking it, and that's a team that could use him, and that's a team he can make an impact. And now you're kind of signing these one-year deals and these incentive-laden deals and still hanging in there. This is almost better at this point of your career. You're 37. You've been there. You've done that. You've won a Super Bowl. You have seen it all. You want to go through the rigors week in, week out, training camp and everything. Freeney, I'm, I'm sure, would rather be on a team, but can kind of duck in and out, help a team. You know, is this going to be it? We thought it was in Atlanta, certainly, if they had won the Super Bowl. He probably would have rode off into the sunset here. But it's always amazing to me when these things happen, how we, people or fans, or media, in some cases, will kind of dictate to these guys, well, you should retire. Well, what are you doing, right? I'm sure some people read that story and reacted in a way of, what are you still doing in the league? I think we got to be careful about that. We can opine on that. But, man, when you're done, you're done. And, see, I read that, and I said 37 years old. And in football terms, whoa, he's old, right? I mean, I'm 39 years old. I've got a lot of life ahead of me here. I've got a lot I can do in the next, I don't know, 20, 30 years. I don't know when I'm going to retire. Some people get to retirement age and they're like, I don't want to retire. <laughs> like, I want to keep doing something. So I have more empathy for somebody. And Dwight Freeney is around my age, so I can certainly look at him and have empathy and be like, I get it, man. I get that you, you want to do this as long as you can. If you're healthy and you don't have a pile of concussions a mile long, and even if you do, you want to continue to play the game, and people are like, well, why are you just latching on for these one-year deals for a million dollars? And it's like, you got to understand with athletes, there is just something they get out of this that I don't think we the fans understand. We try to. We do things like play fantasy sports and games and are passionate about the sports that either we played and weren't good enough to carry on to college or pros, and we all kind of get that rush off of sports, but one thing that I, of all the athletes I have ever interviewed in my life, and the athletes that I know personally, they will all kind of get this gleam in their eye about being a part of a team and the camaraderie of a locker room and the thrill of being on the field and how it's just something you, you can't replicate in other ways. Even guys that have gone on to be successful executives and general managers, and look at John Elway, won a Super Bowl, carries on, goes to Denver, builds a Super Bowl winning team, and, you know, there's something about that, but I'll never doubt a player if they want to keep playing and if they can do it. It's sad to see sometimes because they can't recognize they can't do it anymore, but Dwight Freeney strikes me as a guy that could probably help a team, and we'll see how he does in Seattle. That's hot.
So today is ACC Media Day, and uh, plenty is coming out of that and will come out of that, and certainly the Louisville thing is going to be a big topic of discussion. I know there are some comments from Bayheim about Rick Pitino and some things that we'll play next hour from ACC Media Day. But, oh, baby, Louisville went scorched earth on Tom Jurich, the athletic director that is now fired, and they've gone through you know the official capacity of firing him. And there's a letter that was made public today. Gregory Postal, who is the president, at Louisville, wrote this letter and said that Jurich's willful misconduct, quote, was demonstrated through ineffective management, divisive leadership, unprofessional conduct, and a lack of character best characterized as intimidation and bullying that extends from student government to the university's senior leadership, causing, quote, substantial damage to Louisville. Whoa! Tell me what you really think there, buddy. The law firm that represents Jurich responded with a statement, and it called Postal's letter, quote, an attempt to smear the reputation of the former AD by, quote, reciting untrue, unproven allegations. Quote, Tom Jurich unequivocally denies all the allegations and implications emanating from these allegations. The letter of termination is an after-the-fact effort to justify an unwarranted termination for cause that the Board of Trustees voted without specifying any charges at all. And I kind of have to agree with that, because if that were true, what Postal is saying, then why didn't you fire Tom Jurich? Why was he your athletic director until the details of this investigation came out? You write those things, it just didn't show up on your doorstep one day. Maybe you had an insight to that before. Maybe you didn't make a move because, you know, the gravy train was rolling and you don't want to rock the boat. But it's funny how this becomes a war of public relations and statements and who has the better lawyer to paint a case here. And I'm not excusing what Tom George did and the rules that they broke there, but, like, you were fine with this guy. Same thing at North Carolina. Okay, Roy Williams, they have stood by him, they have supported him, they have gone through this. But if the NCAA actually found something, what kind of tersely worded statement would you get from North Carolina about a guy that they, to this day, and an ACC media day included today, said, oh, Roy's our guy. He didn't know what was going on. There was, you know, North Carolina basically endorsed what happened there. Do you, did, did North Carolina, like, okay, the NCAA didn't find anything, but we are going to punish ourselves here. They basically just let it roll off. Yep, sorry. It happened, but what are you going to do about it, right? It's funny how these things work, and like one day everybody's best friends, and the next day you get statements like that. I mean, that's that's the old uh, CYA, right? Cover your you-know-what, point at the other guy and say it's his fault. They had a pretty tersely worded statement about Patino, too, and it's like, you rode the storm out with Patino, with the other scandals. Like, this didn't come out of the clear blue sky. And all of a sudden, you know, Rick Patino is, you know, the worst person in the world. It's, it's funny how that works. From the worst to the worst best, if this makes sense. So in a world of strange injuries, and I have heard a bunch of strange injuries. Remember Sammy Sosa hurt his back by sneezing, which, by the way, is actually not that strange of a thing. You ever have a really hard sneeze? How does your back feel after that? And the strange injuries of people that fall downstairs, and I remember Jeff Kent of the San Francisco Giants claimed that he slipped off his car while he was washing the car and really got in a fight with a teammate and, the creative stories that come out about injuries. This one's right up there. Uh, UNC guard Joel Berry broke his hand. Okay. 
Now, why did Joel Berry break his hand? Okay, let's go through the possibilities here. Did he get hurt at practice? Is that something? No. Okay. Uh, you know, freak accident, walking on campus, tripped and fell and hurt. No. Okay. Was he moving something? He was moving something in his dorm room and it fell on his hand and it just... No. Okay. Did he lose a video game to a teammate and then punch a door? That is correct. Oh, we got it. Uh, said Roy Williams, uh, quote, he did a silly thing. That's what it was. One of his greatest characteristics is his competitiveness. I was expected to be out for a month. Uh, Barry was the most outstanding player at the Final Four last season, helped lead the Tar Heels to the national championship at 22 points in the national championship game victory over Gonzaga. I like how Roy spun that, by the way. One of his greatest characteristics is his competitiveness. Now, I should not laugh at this, okay? Because I bear a scar on my left hand. And the reasoning for that scar is Super Bowl 26. Let's just say things weren't going well for the Bills. And let's say Brent punched something he should not have punched. And there's a scar there. Which just kind of goes back to the old adage of love your life and like your sports. So you don't get scars on your hand for punching walls. So... Joel Berry, I'm with you. I don't know if I would get that fired up about losing a video game, okay? My team losing the Super Bowl, completely justifiable, right? But lose a video game? Like, hit the reset button and do it again. I mean, that's just what I did when I lost, right? Oh, you're winning, huh? You think, ah, reset. Oh, you think, oh, you're up 28 nothing. You think you're going to win this reset. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice play. Let's watch the replay. Reset. Just do what I do. Just hit the reset button. I haven't not played a video game. Does Dave and Buster's count? Like, I go to Dave and Buster's with my daughter once in a while. We'll do that. I have not sat down and played a PlayStation. You know, I played, what's that? We have the Wii. Okay, so I played a Wii game probably like three years ago on Christmas when we got it. It's one of those Just Dance games. You want to see me dance playing Just Dance? That's quite a sight, by the way. But I'm not a video game guy, and I know people my age that are video game guys. Like, good friend of mine, Ben, who I work with at Syracuse.com, huge Star Wars geek like me, and he, he was all excited. He came in today. He's like, did you see the trailers for Battlefront? And I'm like, did I see the what for the what? Like, there's trailers for video games? Like, this is a thing? So the answer was no, but, I mean, I'll watch them anyway because it's Star Wars, but... Not a video game guy. So the concept of punching something because you lost a video game, it's like, well, just play again. Okay, the Bills can't play that Super Bowl again, Joel. Let me say we go to the phones before we take a break here. We were talking about Dwight Freeney back in the National Football League once again. Tom and Fremont wanted to chime in on that. Tom, what's happening, man? X-Man, yeah, I heard you talking about him, and you brought up the, the 2001 season, and you thought that he should have been in the room. No question about it. And, uh, he was the best player that year, hands down, in the country. I remember watching some of the games on TV and announcers would just acknowledge it. Who was a better player than this guy? And to this day, I've always said that if he had such a great season that year, he was definitely the most dominant player in the country. And if he played for Notre Dame or Michigan that year, not only would he have been in the room, he probably would have won it. Tom, I brought it up while we were chatting here. Okay, these are this is the voting from the 2001 Heisman Trophy. You ready for this? Yeah. 
Eric Crouch at Nebraska won the Heisman. Rex Grossman came in second. Ken Dorsey at Miami, who was really good. I'll you know I'll give you that. Right. Uh, Joey Harrington, David Carr, Antoine Randall, Roy Williams at Oklahoma, Bryant McKinney, an offensive lineman got more votes than Dwight Franey, who uh, finished ninth in the he Heisman. Didn't, he didn't even win the Outland that year. Julius Peppers won it. And Peppers was next in the Heisman voting. I mean, he right. was. But he was. He was. I remember reading before the, before the season started all the pre you know all the preseason articles in the Post Standard, and Pascaloni used to have to take him out of the scrimmages just so the offense could run their <laughs> right. play. They couldn't even run a play. They couldn't run a play with so him in there. You know, one of the greatest players ever to put on a Syracuse uniform, and it's not the first time it happened. I mean, Don McPherson in the 87 Heisman lost to Tim Brown, who was a great player, but played on a 6-5 and five team, you know, and one of the closest votes ever. So we're used to it up here, I guess. We are. And listen, you know, it's I understand that he didn't win, but put him in the room. Put him in New York. And by the way, am I reading this right? Eric Crouch had – now, he was a running quarterback, but – 1,510 yards, 7 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Rex Grossman, 34 touchdowns, 12 picks that year, 3,896 yards. Ken Dorsey, 2,652 yards, 23 touchdowns, 9 picks that year. Joey Harrington had 27 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. David Carr had 46 touchdowns for Fresno State. I mean, not going to win it at Fresno State, but... Can we like do a thirty for thirty? But how the hell did Eric Crouch win a Heisman? What am I? What, what am I not remembering about that year? But why he got one hundred sixty-two first place votes? Rex Grossman, sexy Rex, he got one thirty-seven. Uh, Dorsey one hundred nine. God bless the two people that voted for Dwight Freeney. You deserve your Heisman vote. We will break on that note. We will talk more about Syracuse basketball. Some things said at ACC Media Day today. Jared Diamond. From L.A., we'll talk World Series with us next hour. More on paying players and something I discussed on the show yesterday. I wrote a column about today on Syracuse.com. we got plenty to do. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.